afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the latest in our series of webinars that IMS have been holding on how to use and uh, how to use Zoom and looking at the features of Zoom. So our webinars to date have been much uh, focused around the education sector and using Zoom securely uh, and using Zoom, the, using the basic features uh, on running meetings. Webinar is a, is a feature of Zoom that many people are now familiar with due to the many webinars that have been run in the recent times. What we would like to do today is to have a look at just how a webinar should look like, what good looks like basically. So that was the purpose of today's uh, webinar. If we're gonna look at the agenda for today. So just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, because we're in webinar format, we're gonna just run a little poll here, first of all, just to gauge the audience. We're gonna launch a poll to see uh, what is your experience with using Zoom webinar to date? So while you guys answer that away, we're gonna have a look at uh, the agenda for today. So I'm gonna introduce our panel shortly. Uh, and once that's done, we're gonna hand over to Shane and we're gonna have a panel discussion on Zoom webinar best practices. We're then gonna have a look at a presentation given by Jason on Zoom webinar, and then we're gonna go over to Q&A. Okay, so I'd just like to introduce you to the panel. So when we were putting this webinar together, we were absolutely thrilled and delighted to, uh, to meet with Jason, Jason Mobley, who's the executive director of information technology at Florida A&M University. We met through our mutual admiration of Zoom and he's, he's uh, uh, gratefully ex accepted a chance to be on our panel today with us and he's also gonna present uh, later on. We also have uh, Eric Dieger. Eric is the CEO and founder of Texonic in South Africa and Eric is an expert in security and best practice deployments of large scale video conferencing systems with Zoom. We also have Joshua A. Jones. Joshua A. Jones is an online events educator, evangelist and expert who worked for Zoom before setting up and found his own company called The Webinar, which he now is CEO of. And of course, we have our own Shane Hartigan, who's gonna moderate the panel discussion. So without further ado, I'm gonna hand you over to Shane uh, and I hope you're, you enjoy the discussion as much as I do. Good afternoon or good morning, depending on where you're coming in from. You're very welcome to our webinar. Um, I've got uh, some fantastic panelists who've uh, agreed to come online with us today. As Leo says, we've got 30 minutes uh, that we're going to take care of some chat around webinar and best practice production. Um, so just bring up maybe uh, Joshua and uh, Jason there who are... Um, yeah, you got guys joining up. Hey guys, how are you? You're so welcome. We've got, uh, uh, and we've also got Eric Dieger as well. So Eric, uh, you might join us here. That's fantastic. Brilliant, guys, it's super to see you. Um, so we've got, uh, starting with uh, Joshua, as he says, coming in from Santa Barbara in California. So uh, super, thank you so much for that. And uh, also we've got Jason Mobley, um, you know, straight out, out of Tallahassee in Florida, which is uh, everybody following Jason on LinkedIn. He's a, he's a huge, uh, 
some some great posts and great advice being given out there. And also from uh, from from a totally different continent altogether, South Africa. We've got Eric Dieger. Uh, it's great to see you, Eric, and uh, his company is Texonic. So. Um, Right, so I suppose uh, what's happening? I mean, maybe I'll just start with Joshua. Um, Joshua, can you, uh, t you, you guys must be absolutely crazy busy right now with everybody going online with, you know, COVID and the lockdown. It's now's the time for online, right? It's quite a time to be alive, uh, Shane. It's um, had its challenges, but um, I've been really happy with the way we've been able to adapt to the incoming business. We've got a lot of people that are really quite new to this environment, uh, I'm, you know, over many, many years, almost 15 years now, I've typically worked with, um, you know, your business type of client, business to business, enterprise level at times, uh, larger organizations, but now we're seeing more mom and pop and we're seeing more of um, kind of unique events. We recently did a prom uh, for a client and a dinner party. Um, where it was, you know, heavily orchestrated in both situations. So, uh, yeah, a lot of incoming business, a uh, great group of people around to keep us supported, not just within my own team, but within our network of producers that we work with um, to help manage online events. Cool. I mean, I, I was always, I mean, looking, uh, observing from afar, you, your documents and a lot of your health documents are still in use uh, when your time when you were with Zoom and, and they've been fantastically helpful. Um, we've been able to kind of use them as a little bit of a Bible or as a gospel to kind of how to get organized and, and run, you know, successfully uh, successful webinars. I mean, I, I suppose just kind of maybe touch a uh, say hello to Jason there from, from, from FAMU and uh, basically, I mean, Jason, hello and thank you so much for joining. What, what are your challenges? I mean, you're CIO for, for, for the university. So how is it, uh, how's thing working out for you? Well, actually not the CIO, uh, Ron Henry oh. is our CIO. I, I actually work for the College of Pharmacy and Pharmaceutical Sciences and the Institute of Public Health. So it's been great, uh, obviously from the landscape of the university, uh, Florida A&M, also known as FAMU is an HBCU uh, nestled in the hills of Northwest Florida. Um, we have students hailing from across 70 different countries. Uh, we also offer 54 different bachelor degrees, 29 masters, three professional degrees, and 12 doctoral. So you mentioned challenges. I actually don't consider them challenges, I, but I consider them opportunities, right? So we've been training faculty, staff, and students on the transition to the online landscape. Uh, we've been working on proctoring of exams recently. We've, been, we've done Zoom proctoring, which is kind of a unique use case of Zoom. Uh, we've been supporting faculty and staff from home with equipment, webcams, and so on. Um, we've also been supporting student needs. Um, we've been teaching faculty the best practices of teaching over Zoom, which has been very helpful. Uh, we've been supporting webinars, and then we also have been testing different type of equipment, cameras, mics, room kits, and we're working to design kind of the perfect Zoom classroom at the same time. Right. Cool. I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, with so many different diverse uh, lectures going on in different buildings and different locations, I mean, you know, in terms of webinar, it's a, it's a feature that many people are used to using meetings, right? I mean, and webinar is kind of, it's an add-on to Zoom. It's, a, it's a, the hidden secret, but it's certainly getting a lot more popular. I mean, Eric, you, you guys are, are working in Texonic. Um, you, you're the CEO of Texonic. Can you just fill us in a little bit about how, what the take-up is like with webinar and how people are getting, getting on with Zoom and in general down your part of the world? 
Yes, hi Shane. So uh, it's been obviously very challenging. Um, there's been a lot of sacrifices made. Um, but that said, I mean, uh, our organization, um, we do um, uh, a, a Zoom authorized reseller in Africa. And uh, we started in 2014 with that. So it's obviously been, uh, you know, quite a journey. And we've seen obviously uh, progressively it quite evolve uh, in that sense. But uh, through these challenging times, we had to kind of think outside the box. Um, so one example, for instance, we created a Zoom uh, support hotline that's got no password, for instance, um, something that uh, some of the customers have really enjoyed. So when they enter, you know, we take them out, create a little breakout room with them and engage with them from a support. So we, and again, I mean, uh, I just you know, cannot say enough thank you to our team that's actually done so many sacrifices, um, you know, working late, even when our president announced the lockdown. Um, you know, there was a Sunday evening, we had an emergency meeting. Quickly, all of us said, you know, they all jumped in and said, listen, there's a big responsibility for us. We've got to jump in, we've got to get involved. And yeah, it's, it's been a rodeo, crazy radio ride, yeah. Cool. I mean, I, I guess, I suppose, you know, Joshua, you know, back to you on, on this. I mean, the surge in demand for digital events, right? It's off the charts right now. I mean, how are you guys dealing with this? I mean, in terms of, of you, you provide a service to customers that are looking to get online and kind of de-risk events, I suppose. Or would you, you know, just tell us a little bit about, about, about that service. Right. So there are basically three legs to the stool of the webinar. We produce content for people to consume free, you know, hoping it makes them better equipped to host their events. Uh, we have an education line of our business, what we call boot camp, which uh, really focuses on the individual use cases. We know you can go get training for Zoom and any other platform out there for free, either on YouTube or from the providers. Um, but we really get use case specific and want to drill down into this individual user situation to make sure they're using the tools effectively. And then, of course, the third leg and kind of our mainstay is the production support, uh, where sometimes we're, you know, kind of the Wizard of Oz behind the scenes. Uh, we can take more of a moderation role. And right now we're looking to kind of scale that up to uh, a more flexible model. Uh, for some larger events and series as well. So there have been some um, some changes, I'd say, to the, the way we work, but the business hasn't changed much. Maybe some more unique events, like I said earlier. Um, I got to help somebody set up for an aerobics class via webinar not too long ago. So wow. like I said, what a time to be alive. People are doing all sorts of stuff out there. Um, as far as um, what we look forward to, uh, just kind of expanding our services and trying to reach more, uh, bring on more people. There's there's a lot of talent available right now, given our right. certain circumstances, and it's a good time to take advantage of that and start treating those people well. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a lot more than just the technical roles inside in developing webinar. It's far more about the experience and the interactivity and how people, uh, you know, how people if they they enjoy webinars, you know, and that's um, that's really important. And I think it's kind of sometimes missed in the market where it's like, oh, you know, and and often people call meetings webinars, which is another misconception, you know. I mean, so I mean, just on that note, I mean, Eric, maybe on a from a security perspective, obviously webinars have certain advantages and also uh, you know over meetings and meetings have advantages over webinars and I suppose just to kind of clarify those things I mean 
what would you what would you advise customers that are looking at doing say large scale public events or doing those type of projects and yeah so we kind of go by a golden rule you know if it's something internal uh, it's a meeting if it's something public it's a webinar and um, again you can use them both ways you know you can have webinars for your training for your company organization as well but um, what's really nice about like today's session i mean we have uh, quite a lot of att uh, attendees and we're basically able to ring fence them and i mean we're getting through our content we're able to get through we're not being disrupted by them in any way so it's, it's quite nice that that segment but at the same time it's controlled you understand and and as they feed us questions for instance you know we can address that as well so i like the fact that you can ring fence that and separate it from that and then besides that i mean obviously all the other security settings that uh, zoom has obviously put in place uh, for normal meetings and webinars itself right i mean i put the same question to you jason i mean in terms of of uh, famu like how in terms of adopting webinar technology versus uh, meetings i mean you know for online delivery of content i mean what what do you what's your what, when do you use webinar versus meeting kind of similar to what eric has stated you know if it's a public facing event it's going to be a webinar typically um also, if the event needs a certain number of people on video as panelists and others need to be off video as attendees, then we'll run a webinar over a meeting. Uh, one other use case uh, that we have found is if you need a meeting with a very large number of participants, I would say typically over a thousand to three thousand up to ten thousand, then we would use a webinar for that as well. Sure. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot less traffic too with webinars, right? So, I mean, you know, webinars, it's, it's the audience observing the, the meeting as opposed to engaging with the camera and the microphone. So it, it probably takes a bit of load off if somebody has like, you know, mightn't have the fastest internet connection. Uh, yeah, that's true. Viewing a webinar from an attendee standpoint doesn't take up much bandwidth. You're really just streaming inbound. It's, you know, right. YouTube levels of bandwidth. Um, one thing I like to point out, uh, meetings can be much more interactive. It's like everybody's in the same room, classroom, conference room type of situation, where webinars is more like an auditorium or lecture hall where you have people out in the audience seated, they don't necessarily interact at a high level, don't turn on webcam and so forth. Um, so great way to reach a large audience without distractions. And uh, to the point earlier, if you were to take a meeting with a, a group that's kind of open to the public, you need to be very clear that they're going to see people that they may not know and <laughs> need to have yeah, etiquette yeah. on that session. So yeah, there are certainly risks there. Webinars are much more safe for that yeah. large audience. And well, you can control what people see more in a webinar. Somebody just even asked earlier in the chat already asking about how he can control, we can control the gallery view that they're seeing now, which is possible in a webinar, whereas in a meeting, everybody controls their own view. Right, right, exactly. I mean, I just popped up, I mean, just on that question, I popped up a, 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 a poll on, you know, what are... The, what would be the most common use for, for from the audience perspective? I and mean, it's just polling away at the moment, and I'll, I'll share those those results. And um, I mean, a big a big thing is you know is prepared, you know, and being prepared for a webinar. There is work involved. It takes time to get things coordinated. There's a checklist, and 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 uh, and so forth. And um, you know, I mean, there must be uh, like people just downloading and jumping in with Zoom. It's absolutely impossible that it's really easy to do it um, but might not be the best idea if you're looking at providing a professional webinar right I mean 
I just maybe put that one to to Jason. What do you what do you think, Jason? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the deal is a lot of people don't prepare enough uh, when it comes to things like this. And it, and one thing that from a best practices perspective that I recommend is that you you do dry runs, you do practice sessions, you can take advantage of uh, the practice session where it's almost like a green room where the panelists can actually converse before the webinar kicks off and then you can broadcast that. So there's a lot of features built in Zoom webinar that allow you to prepare ahead of time. And the more that you prepare, the more su successful the event will be. Sure. I mean, again, I mean, the same same question over to you, Josh. What, do, what, are, you, what are you seeing? I mean, like in terms of um, people that say, hey, you know, I want to do an online event. What, what, is your, what is your kind of steps that you'd follow when you start engaging with them? You know, if they're at a very early level of entry, you know, maybe first time through, it is a little bit, um, I guess there are some kind of intangibles that they need to understand. So usually I'll just dive in by going through the scheduling and settings on the account and just let the questions kind of drift out. And I always say the details really work out in the planning. By the time we broadcast on that webinar, or go live to our audience, I'm really hoping I can sit back and twiddle my thumbs because we've prepared them. We right. want the technology to step out of the way so that they can engage with their audience. Um, so yeah, it's, it all shakes out in planning. And one thing I've had to learn recently is I'm a little faster at that than some of the people that are working with me. Right. And so I right. can't always just say, oh yeah, this will take us five hours and then sure. hand it off to somebody else because it just might not. Um, right. So just being aware of, you know, that level of entry and the, um, the kind of the skills level that they want to deploy and engage at and really just kind of adding one thing at a time. You know, you don't want to pile right. on too much. Right. Um, get the event live, add in some polls, look at other ways you can start engaging. Right, right. I mean, there's, there's a, you know, when people go to conventions, even just exchanging business cards and networking with people, you know, unless you cater for that type of situation in a webinar, like, for example, maybe sharing uh, with consent from the attendees with other attendees, you know, it adds another dimension, you know, and that's so important where, you know, we're now all so much online right now. There are things that we miss, you know, like, for example, even the goodie bag, you know, and these are things that are, are part of natural conventions and natural events that we've been, we've been so used to over the years um, I guess you know there's 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 always funny situations and different people are are um, you know they, they jump straight in and next thing you get that panic phone call and it's like you know I've got a webinar in five minutes and you know things working and, and all of this I mean the preparation it, it has to be done right absolutely and you know from square one I, I do my best to, we have some clients that want the full end-to-end -end white glove support where we log in, get things scheduled for them. Um, but I'd much rather have the client um, certain that they have that access and be there as, you know, somebody to answer questions and provide them guidance rather than, hmm. you know, teaching a man to fish, I guess, as we go along right. uh, is always the right. goal. I guess, I mean, Joshua, just on, on, in terms of like hardware, I mean, I've seen, watched you online and going through some <laughs> hardware and you can, you can pretty much geek out for a while on, on stuff. And that's brilliant. I learned a lot actually, but in terms of, of the equipment, I mean, it isn't, it doesn't need to be expensive, right? I mean, you know, some, some certain mistakes, I mean, maybe just take us through the, the, the must haves that you'd need for, to do proper professional webinars. 
Yeah, you know, well, you guys gave me a new challenge today. I don't always use the green screen here, and I don't have a green screen like Shane actually does, so mine looks a little shimmery here, guys. Um, but I do like that they provided the added touch of our logo up there, if I can show you my hand. Um, so, you know, that's that's an added touch. All that takes is a few minutes in, um, you know, video editing, paint, or I'm sorry, not video, paint, or, you know, some photo editing application. Um, so small touches like that, making sure that you do have an external webcam is best practice because you will get a higher quality video than your built-in webcam um, in every circumstance I've ever run across. And using a headset for best results um, is my preference, unless you have a really quiet space. Um, now, some investment in a webcam and a headset, but beyond that, just making sure you're looking good on video, you're positioned properly, framed, uh, you're not cutting off your head or sitting too close, right. or you don't want people looking up at you, those things are free. So spend some time, you know, making sure that you're framed properly, your space looks great. Um, I really like having a wall right behind me, so I can put a couple things up on the wall. Uh, usually I have a painting up behind me, so if I just switch off my virtual background, I like this background, but I need to reframe it and hang it right because I made it crooked. Uh, so again, these things are you know, easy to do on a limited budget uh, or very low budget. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, like they're hen's teeth now, these web, webcams, because it, it seems that, uh, you know, big suppliers are struggling with the, with the, but I mean, Eric. He you, headsets you, too, yeah. Headsets too, supply, right, exactly. Supply chains are all jacked up. And I mean, you know, cameras and headsets now, you know, it's a small investment. These, these, some of these high definition cameras can be, you know, 60 bucks, you know, a headset can be, you know, for depending on what you're going for, but it doesn't need to break the bank. And I think kind of as a golden rule, you know, you know, face the window when you're doing a video call, don't, don't have the window behind you and that washed out whole effect. It's small things. And these are not really technical issues with what button to press. And with Jason, I know later is going to talk through some of the settings and the setups in web webinars. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of it is just, you know, how do I get my camera right? How am I get my framing, my background? Um, and uh, yeah, so, so forth. I'm using the web around, which is a fabulous little, little device that just pops up uh, on the back of my chair. Um, I mean, maybe just for the audience, I might do, do, the, uh, do the same. I'll just turn off my, my, um, my background. And uh, you can see it's just like a, it's just a green screen and you can see it's got a little strap here that goes over my, my, my chair. It's a company called WebAround. And I, I really like them. They're, they're, uh, they're just a portable device, but it gets that sharpness on the video. Um, Eric, you're using, you're, what are you using? The Logitech Rio camera? Or, you know, tell us about that. It's a, it's a, it's a nice little camera again, highly used. Yeah, it is, it is. It's a Bria. So the Bria, obviously, it, it, it makes quite a difference. And I think I'm going to do the same thing that you guys did. <laughs> and I'm going to change to my normal camera of my laptop just to show the difference. So, uh, well. you know, it's massive. The, you know, and again, inexpensive um, lighting is super important. Right. Um, I prefer natural light um, for my skin tone. And, uh, I, and also, um, small things, maybe, um, if you're in a, if you really want to spend a little bit of money, uh, you know, then create a space for you, but maybe put some acoustical treatment in maybe, you know, right. these things are very inexpensive and easily accessible. Uh, and then one very golden rule I also say when it comes to hardware is your machine, the machine you use is so important. If you're going to use 
hand-me-down grandma's tablet, it, it is going to give a terrible experience. Right. So um, right. look, look at the start there. Start to get a good device right. and then work your way through. And baby steps. I mean, uh, Joshua gave some examples, but I mean, baby steps, you know, and um, progress from it and push yourself to get better and better at it. Well, it's really, I mean, you know, and, and of course, you, the sky's the limit, right? You can go up into multi-camera view and there's a, you know, alt, I think it's alt N and you can cycle between different cameras and, and so forth. So you can really go crazy with this. Um, but as I say, you know, a good quality camera doesn't need to break the bank. Good lighting, you know, ring lights, for example, these are just little, um, they're a little uh, circular light, uh, which you can pop up behind your monitor. And it just, again, gives you that, uh, that, that, that tone. And, and don't forget the, um, there's the touch up button, you know, which is people don't realize inside in the settings in the Zoom client, you have a touch up button. You press that, you lose 15 years. Well, you know, your wrinkles disappear and everything looks a lot better, you know. So, again, people don't realize those, some of those settings are there, you know. I just kind of back over to Jason. Um, Jason, I mean, you know, what are your advice? I mean, we've got quite a lot of educators and, and leadership teams on the call today. And, um, you know, what, what is your, your, your advice on, in terms of, of uh, like, is there any best practice right now, um, uh, you know, for, for, for particularly in the education scene? I mean, uh, what, what are your, you know, in terms of they're, they're, they're adapting and adopting? And I know, on the, on, you know, FAMU has been way out there in terms of being very progressive in this sector. But for people that are in the education space that are looking for advice on, uh, from your journey, what, what, would you, what, would, what advice would you give them? Well, Shane, I have a, a few areas of advice uh, and something recently happened to me. Um, one thing that I would make sure that I would always do on a webinar, even if you're hosting it yourself, is always have a co-host uh, set up. And I'll give you an example. We were doing Dean of Nursing interviews and I was the host and um, uh, uh, one of our professors was a moderator, right? And I made her the co-host. And the next thing I know, my power went out and it was gone. And I was panicking because I thought, oh my God, the webinar is going to go down. Everyone's going to get kicked out. But I realized that I set up a co-host and it, she didn't miss a beat. She saw me leave. She picked up where I left off. The actual candidate was actually presenting at the time. Uh, in about five minutes, I rejoined and, and we didn't miss a beat. So I would definitely have a co-host. Uh, another uh, piece of advice is make sure that you promote the event at least 15 days out. Because I've seen some people try to promote it a week out or even less than that. And if you want to get a lot of attendees, you need to have that and make sure you're using various social media platforms to promote your event. Um, and then lastly, I would say, uh, the biggest mistake that I've seen is not engaging your audience or not engaging your students, right? So webinars should be a more of a conversation, not simply a presentation. Um, I would use engaging features like polling, Q&A, chat, and one other neat feature, which we'll probably do today, is it's almost like ask the audience. So you can actually promote an attendee to a panelist and they can actually answer a question or ask a question live, which I think is a, a very engaging feature as well. Right, right. I mean, I mean, J um, Joshua, that was really great feedback, Jason. I mean, it's it's fantastic to to uh, to hear that because you you've gone down that road and and you're 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 doing that walking that walk at the moment. And um, I guess uh, for for Joshua, you know, how do you see this market evolving post COVID nineteen? I mean, we we we're all in this super lockdown situation, uh, hey. hoping everybody's keeping safe, and then you know, we're, we are we going back to the way it used to be, or what will it look like in your opinion? 
Ah, gosh, Shane, tough questions today, huh? Let's just start by saying I've read a lot of sci-fi and I'm grateful for that. And if you haven't read a lot of sci-fi books over the years, you might want to go read some so that you can prepare. No, I don't think we're going back. I don't think there right. is a normal right. anymore. We're going forward. You know, people use terms like new normal. I don't really like that. Um, we're just going to adapt because that's what humans do. And when new tools like this make their way into our landscape, whether it's in the business environment, which is what we're used to, it changes our business DNA. We start meeting in right. different ways. All of a sudden you're meeting with that guy who's, you know, across campus, you're meeting online with them because it's just more convenient. You don't have to right. move anywhere. Um, so I, yeah, I think that's going to continue. And now it's more of a household thing. You've got right. Zoom happy hour, you've got Zoom entertainment, you've got all sorts of things. We're, we're adding an add-on service so that people can hire a decent DJ or musician because I'm tired of seeing bad ones out there. Um, so, yeah. so just with some yeah. best practices and some talent, you can really, you can break the mold and you can do things um, a lot differently. And, you know, it, it's important now to, and we were talking about this in prep, it's important to make your event and your brand stand out at this point. And there are some things that you can definitely do to break out of the typical mold of, you know, what webinars usually look like, you know, customize right. that registration process, um, right. have a click funnel that takes them into their join process, uh, you know, have a page that they can arrive at on your website or intranet and extranet, whatever it is that they can arrive at and see the agenda for the day and maybe choose different courses that they may like to go to. Cause we're seeing a lot more of these, you know, convention type sessions being requested in an online environment. And that's challenging. We've got to, you can't really ask people to sit for 10 hours in front of their computer in a day, much less do that three days in a row. And when I go to a convention, I'm hitting the pool. I might go to the gym. I'm cruising the buffet. I'm not exactly but in the chair in your presentations right. 10 hours a day. So let's break those sessions up. Let's make that summit last a week or two. Um, let's have, you know, two or three hours a day in installments, really key things where you can allow your audience to, you know, choose the, the track that they want to attend on. Uh, and that's how we're going to get some semblance of normalcy and as far as those conventions and things go, because it's going to be a long time, even once we can host them, which is who knows when that is, once we can host larger scale events, there's still going to be people that don't want to come. And let me ask you this, when's the last time you saw somebody um, with mobility challenges, perhaps in a wheelchair or with a walker at a convention? Right. There's an accessibility level that we can break through by having an online offering. And I know Jason's working a lot with what I call blended events or hybrid events where you have in-person experience blended with an online experience. You got to, you know, as best as you can, you want to try to make those parallel experiences. Right. No, I mean, that's really great ideas. Um, I guess that the, we're, we're, we're going to probably enter into some sort of a hybrid environment where people, you know, they're still physically, we'll, we'll get back meeting up and touching and, and then, you know, being having the online situation. So, I mean, I might just actually switch up to Jason on the uh, little bit of a presentation on the next part of this uh, webinar. Uh, I think we'll just come on to Happest uh, 3. So, uh, Jason, if you'd like to share your slides and kick on, we show some people how to, uh, how to set up a webinar from, from, uh, from the start. Absolutely. And, and at this point, Shane, before we start, I'd like to kick off a poll. So the poll that you're about to see is what 
webinar features are you most interested in? And of course, this is multiple choice, but I'd like to see uh, what you guys are before we start the presentation. And while you're voting, uh, the goal here is to kind of give you best practices to Zoom webinar, going through scheduling, registration features, um, also using the engaging tools of um, Zoom webinar. So the agenda today, we're going to talk about when to use a webinar, also various use cases, uh, webinars versus large meetings. I'll introduce you to some scheduling tips. We'll talk a little bit about registration options and questions. Uh, we'll go over adding polls. I'll show you how to integrate with various tools for live streaming. We'll talk about reminder emails, and then we'll finish with my top 10 best practices, and then we'll turn it back over to uh, Shane and Leo to go over the question and answers because I see some great questions that I'd love to answer. So why use Zoom webinar? Well, first, it helps broaden your reach because with Zoom webinar, you can use up to uh, 100 panelists um, and you can do video voice and screen sharing, and then you can have up to 10,000 different attendees. You can make it live or on demand. So Typically, we do live events, but there are times where you can pre-record a webinar and then host it as an on-demand type of event or do both. You can use Facebook Live and YouTube integration. So right now, we're actually streaming uh, to YouTube at the same time as we're doing the webinar. From an easy management perspective, the scheduling, registration, reporting, and host controls are very simplistic, and I'll go over that today. Uh, there's a host of engagement tools built into Zoom webinar from polling to chat. Uh, you guys are already actively using the Q&A and I love it. And then of course at the end, we'll promote attendees to panelists and show you how that feature works. From a key integrations perspective, um, one thing that I'll talk a little bit about is paid versus free webinars. And I think that's kind of the next iteration of Zoom webinars. So there are, are tools like PayPal, Jotform, uh, and even Zapier that you can actually charge for your webinars. The difference with a paid webinar though, is the content has to be different and it has to be top shelf. So you don't give that away for free. You give good free webinars that introduce you into a paid webinar. Uh, so if you have questions about that, we can discuss that a little bit later. Also, uh, what can video webinars do for your organization? Well, of course, you can broaden your reach and connect with more people. You can have a more engaging event with increased interactivity. And the, the truth is that video offers honesty and transparency in turn that then builds trust. So here is some Zoom webinar use cases that I recommend from an internal audience to an external audience. So internally, uh, you can do town hall meetings, which we're doing this at FAMU. Uh, our president and provost has done several of these. And I think it's very important from a communication standpoint. Uh, you can do corporate communications, also internal sales and marketing. Uh, of course, we're doing it for training. We use Zoom webinar to train our faculty. Uh, you can use it for a virtual cr uh, classroom where it's more of a training, not as interactive as a meeting, but it's definitely used in a larger environment. Uh, new hire onboarding. And recently I mentioned that we use it for employee interviews. Now, the reason that we're using it for employee interviews is because we're public facing, right? And we're always cognizant of security. We don't want someone to put potentially Zoom bomb, but We've done a lot of security features, and I'll go over those in a minute, uh, to ensure that you, you don't even have that type of issue. Uh, from an external audience perspective, you can use it for a marketing event, a new product launch, uh, just from an educational perspective, um, a sales product demo, uh, training from a virtual classroom, 
Uh, Zoom does this with investor relations calls. Recently, uh, we did, in a sense, a virtual graduation in the College of Pharmacy. We, had, we, we have an oath and hooding ceremony that typically students do face-to-face. -face. Well, we couldn't do that in the pandemic, so we did a uh, virtual oath and awards banquet where we had music, we had multiple presenters. It went very well. Um, and again, we did that dry run ahead of time so that that event went out without a hitch. Uh, and then lastly, con continuing education program. So what are some tips for preparing for success? Well, the ability to brand your emails and registration pages, and I'll kind of show that in a moment. You can schedule and registration options so you can approve registrations automatically or manually, or you can just go registration list. The reason that you're going to use registrations is because there's certain data, demographic data, that you want to capture and maybe use that to look at who your audience is and tailor your presentation, or maybe you're going to contact them after the fact. Uh, you can use it as a one-time event or even a reoccurring event. Uh, there are templates built in that allow you to create a new webinar quickly and then reuse settings from a previous webinar. You can send emails directly from Zoom, or if you have a customer relations management system, you can send the emails from there. You can also customize the attendee reminders, which I do suggest. And then attendees register and use Zoom to attend. So again, they can use the Zoom mobile platform, the iPad platform, um, or they can even use their, their uh, laptop for both meetings and webinars. So nothing extra to download to use Zoom webinar. And again, I mentioned PayPal, Jotform, and Zapier for integrations for uh, payment generation. Some controls for a great webinar include practice mode. So again, before we even uh, hosted this meeting, we joined 30 minutes early. And in that, we uh, tested everyone's audio, tested everyone's video. Um, of course, we made sure everyone had the same common background, which is a nice feature. I saw someone ask that in the uh, Q&A, and uh, one of Shane's team, Earl, was gracious enough to build that. So again, a little Photoshop skills, adding your logos in, does a nice presentation with that. Um, you have the ability to do one-click HD screen sharing. Uh, also, the ability to show a video clip. So you don't have to upload that clip or embed that clip ahead of time. You can play that clip off YouTube or another platform. You have the ability to mobile screen share. And this is important if, let's say, you're an educator and you're trying to show your students a new app that they're using on their phone. You can actually have your phone screen share and then go through live on your phone, which I think is a unique feature. You have dual screen support. So if you want to show panelists or your presentation at the same time, and it's very easy to unmute and uh, mute panelists in case they forget to do so. And just as with Zoom meetings, you can record locally or in the cloud in MP4 or MP4A format. From an audience engagement perspective, uh, you have seen the, the polls that we've created, so you can do as many of those as you want. I do suggest that you do them along the way um, because maybe the next content you want to tailor your uh, audience for that. Shane and I have had some discussions as you see the poll questions, and then at that point, you were gonna go one direction, but you determined that their needs are a little bit different, so you, you kind of modify your presentation on the fly. Uh, there's flexible chat options, so right now we have the chat disabled, but you can have the chat set up where everyone can talk with everyone, which typically I don't recommend. Uh, you can have people talk with the panelists if there's a need or specific panelists if they have questions for them. But typically I recommend using the Q&A dialog box with live or text answers. So the one thing that you'll see that's happening in the background is Shane's team has 
some technical advisors that are sitting in the background answering a lot of the questions so that everyone can see the answers to that. And that helps other people bubble up different thoughts. Uh, but we will do some live Q&A at the end. Attendees can raise the hand. And then again, I covered this before, but you have the ability to promote the attendee to a panelist, giving them audio and video capabilities. Now, post-webinar, there is a robust reporting for registration attendees. You can even see all the questions in the Q&A. You can see the poll responses, and you can see if anyone had any performance issues. Yes, you can export that file to a CSV file, and then you can automatically export uh, to your CRM through REST APIs with fields that you can customize. So what are the differences between webinars and large meetings? So again, Eric said, stated this, I stated this, if your event is public facing, I do recommend that you use a webinar. Also, if your event needs to not have the attendees to be able to talk or be seen on camera, always use a webinar for that. And another big feature is the amount of participants that you need. Uh, typically, uh, the meetings are 100, 200, 300, and 500. They're actually now is a Zoom large meeting for 1,000 licenses. But again, uh, Joshua mentioned this earlier, if you need that everyone in the same room having a conversation, then use a large meeting. But if you, you're actually training or presenting to people that don't necessarily need to talk, then I would use uh, the video webinar for that. And then also large meetings have breakout rooms, whereas video webinars use a Q&A. And then of course they have the green room or practice session for that. So let's talk a little bit about scheduling a webinar. So you select the date, time and topic. You determine who you want to be your panelist. And then you need to determine ahead of time if you wanna require advanced registration with automatic or manual approving. Most webinars that I do, I always want to set up registration because I wanna know, number one, how many people are coming in and I wanna know who my audience is. So once you log into your Zoom account, you select my webinars. Of course, you do have to have a webinar license and then you click schedule a webinar. From there, you're gonna get presented with this screen. So the, these uh, arrows that I have up, they're important because the first arrow, of course, is where you use the template, right? And the other feature is you have the registration. So that's where you turn that on. And then of course, at the end, you have the uh, webinar password. Uh, I saw some questions about best practices and security of a webinar. Always, always, always use a, a, a password, whether it's a webinar or a meeting. I, I see a lot of people still don't do that. And I see in the news where people say, I recently was Zoombot. Well, honestly, at this point, Zoom has given so much education on that. You, you need to have a password, 100%. Now, uh, on the next slide, we have the webinar options. Uh, so, of course, this is how you turn on or off the Q&A, uh, turning on the practice session. This is where you can record the webinar. And then at the bottom, your alternative host. So this is where you state your co-host. You put their email addresses in. in and yes, you can have um, a, a lot of alternative hosts. I, I actually had one where we were doing uh, proctoring over Zoom. And I think I had uh, 30 different uh, co-hosts added. So you can have a lot if needed. So once you book the, the webinar, you're presented with this screen. So this is where you can set your invitations, email settings, and so on. So at the top here, you have your invite panelists. That's where you put their email address in. And I'll show you that on the next slide. Then you have your approval options. And then at the bottom, and this is something that we probably check on a day-to-day -day basis, how many people have registered? You can click view and actually see who those people are. Um, and uh, 
So you're always kind of tracking and that also speaks to your social media platform. Do you need to do more promotion? Next, you invite your panelists. So again, you enter their name. Again, if they have a title like doctor, um, I would put that in there. Or if they're a lawyer, I would put that included in their name because that's what shows up in their title. Put their email address in there and then it actually sends them an invitation. Now, the panelist link is different than the attendee link. So that's one that they don't share because that's specific to them. From a registration perspective, this is where you automatically or manually approve. Um, another key point on, under the other options that I want to bring up is if you need to restrict the number of registrants, you can do that there as well. And then you can have tracking pixels in case you want to see how many people and it shows up on your website as an advertisement. Now, this is one thing that I love about Zoom, the registration questions. So as you can see here, I've selected last name, organization, job title, and number of employees. But on the next slide, you also have custom questions. So let's say there's specific questions that you want to ask. So you can ask short answer questions, single answer or multiple answer questions. Uh, maybe have you ever used Zoom webinar before? So these are things very key that you want to know that's not default in Zoom. Once you set that up, I always turn this on and this is not necessarily enabled by default, right? So I set up reminder emails and actually I turn all of these on. So one week before the event, it sends a email to the registrants and the panelists because people are going to say, I didn't see the email. And the email did get delivered. They just didn't see it, right? They get so many emails. One day before the event and then one hour before the event, I send them a reminder email automatically. Then when you add the polls, this is the same thing as Zoom meeting. So you enter the title. You can have the poll be anonymous or not. You type your question and then one thing here is you can do single choice questions or multiple choice and then at the bottom you can add another question or add another poll. The live streaming options, I mentioned this before and this is a very unique feature uh, and this, is, this can broaden your reach, right? So you can go Facebook Live, Facebook Workplace or even YouTube and it, it saves it after the fact. Now here's my top 10 best practices to using Zoom webinar. Number one, Advertise your event 15 days prior. I mentioned this earlier, I, but I, I want to really hit on this and why it's so important. If you want the numbers to, to drive, you got to make sure because I've seen uh, webinars that people, it, they really don't join in the beginning and maybe they go, well, I'll do that next week. And then as it gets closer, the numbers rise. The day before the numbers even grow. And then I've even seen an hour before the event, the numbers grow from there. Number two, perform dry runs three days prior. And what I mean by that, and I'll give you an example. Um, in the College of Pharmacy, we did a training with our preceptors. So we had hundreds and hundreds of preceptors and we had probably eight different presenters that day. So what we did is we walked around, we made sure everyone's audio worked properly. We made sure their video was good. Uh, also lighting, and, and Eric mentioned this, but lighting's key. Right, I've seen a lot of people where it looks like there's a halo over the top of their head because they have a window behind them. Uh, I would fix that. I would use Shane's suggestions with ring lights um, or the Lume Cube, which is a new uh, type of product where it actually sits on the back of your laptop or monitor and it actually is a diffused type of light. Um, have your technical assistant answering Q and A's, which again, Shane's gracious team has been doing that along the way. Uh, I would typically disable chat unless you have a use case for chat. Always specify a co-host. 
Uh, number six, customize the webinar registration page. That's where you're really going to get into the meat of the demographic data and see who your audience is. Now, number seven is to me the most important thing. And this is just like teaching class. Uh, you don't ever want to come late to your class and your, your students are just waiting, right? So start on time, but end on time. Don't go past the time, right? Uh, number eight, uh, engage your audience. The reason video is so important is because I can see, I can, I can, I can talk to you. On the meeting side, I, I can look at your nonverbals and make sure that you understand. I use nonverbals like this, or um, do I need to slow down like that? Uh, but on the webinar side, we use things like polls. We ask for feedback through a post-event survey, which again, you will get one from Shane after this event. And I do hope that you fill that out because that, that feedback is very important for future webinars that we do. Enable the Q&A and also use annotations. Uh, monetize your event. And again, I think you'll see a lot more of that in the future with paid, uh, paid webinars. Now, from a paid webinar perspective, if you ask me how much I would charge, I would say probably $10 a head because $10 is not going to break anyone's bank. And if you want that top shelf knowledge, you'll be willing to pay for that. Again, lastly, number 10, broaden your reach through Facebook Live and YouTube Live. So at this time, I'm going to turn it over to Leo and Shane for the Q&A. Jason, thank you so much. That was a fantastic presentation. You answered a lot of the questions during that presentation that have been coming in in the background. Um, just as a matter of course, at the moment, we have an option at the bottom of the screen that we had not enabled until now called raise hand. So if anyone wants to ask a question from the audience, you can click on that raise hand button and we'll try to, to uh, bring you up at uh, and answer your questions. So, as Jason said, there's been lots and lots of questions in the background coming in, and uh, myself and Dennis and Earl and a couple other guys and panelists indeed have been answering, busy answering your questions live. Um, but we've kept a few just to just to go through here. I'm going to kick off a very practical one from Grace. Is there a way of not allowing attendees into the webinar until you are ready, or when do they come in? I'm going to hand this one over to Shane. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> when you are engaged in, a, when you're starting off a webinar, you have a function called a, a practice session. And when you tick that and you're setting up your webinar, what it does is it allows you to, to join the webinar, start the webinar, bring all your panelists in, practice your, your sharing, your audio, your microphone is all good, camera's all good, everybody's ready. It's like the, it's like the green room before you join into the, the main online studio. And then you hit the broadcast button. And the broadcast button is available to the host and the co-host. Um, so when you hit that, it's then all cameras and you go live and uh, then, then the audience uh, comes in. As I say, I, I, I like to do the broadcast, uh, to, to hit the broadcast button earlier uh, rather than on time because um, it allows people to get, come into the webinar and kind of settle in as if you were opening the door to the classroom or to your, 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 in your, your venue. Uh, a couple of minutes before, let's everybody settle in and then you start, as I say, as Jason mentioned, on time uh, as opposed to you know, leading out there. So hopefully that answers it. Yes, that's, you can do that. Very good. Some, somebody else here asked, an anonymous attendee has asked, is there a way for the attendees to ask a verbal question or be unmuted by a panelist? Jason, I'll give that one over to you. Yeah, absolutely. So again, the, the host or the co-host have the ability 
to take a panelist and allow them to talk, right? You can even allow them to come on video as a panelist and then you can demote them back to an attendee. So if you wanna kind of ask the audience, like you see on like talk shows where they're holding the microphone up and the person's asking the questions of the panelist, you can definitely do that. And I do recommend here at some point that we show that feature off uh, because I think it's excellent for engagement. I can see there's actually, Eddie has got his hand up. I wonder if Eddie come on stage. We're gonna maybe, uh... Hit the uh, so we, we there's a little button here on our screen right now and uh, it is an allow to talk I think that was a question from somebody else you know would you have to invite somebody on as a panelist to actually hear their audio absolutely not you you just hit the allow to to talk we've got to, we give it a go we we'll see what happens here hopefully uh, so I've got Eddie just come up here so Eddie um, hopefully you can hear us I hope this is uh, this is real live stuff here now so there you go I can hear you see you've un unmuted Eddie you're very welcome would you have, uh, what do you think of webinars are you uh, are you into them becoming a fan uh, Shane um, I'm finding your webinars that I've been taking part in to be uh, very informative and instructive there's a lot of stuff today that's kind of maybe not for me in the sense of because it's for business and, and whatever, but more listening to Jason and about the, the educational aspect because I'm a secondary school teacher in Ireland and I'm using it more over the last 11 weeks because of the pandemic I've been teaching at home and uh, finding that the difference between Zoom and Teams, um, using Zoom a little bit, using Teams a little bit and, and, and getting the, the benefits of both, but finding um, that Zoom sometimes is better because I can see all the camera screens and see all the kids and stuff like that and, and, and such like. So my, my question really was to was probably to Jason more than anybody else would be in the educational setting. Um, have you any tips, tricks, um, hints to, that you can give to secondary school teachers, which probably would be high school teachers in America, uh, that they could use um, in their classes to engage their students and to help their students to learn better? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we, we've done this a lot and, and I get that we're training um, in, at FAMU, we're, we're, it's, it's higher education, but even, even on the K through 12 or primary secondary side, there's a ton of tips and tricks. So for example, uh, number one, I always require our students to, to be on camera. Now I get there are reasons why you might not want them on camera in the K through 12 arena, but the advantage of having them on camera is that they feel part of the meeting. So, it, it, you know, my question is, what's the difference between a conference call where we're talking on a phone? Um, but I like to see the students' inflection. I like to make sure that I see that knowledge transfer is happening, right? So I wanna make sure that they understand that. Also, I do recommend using breakout rooms. Now, at the K through 12 level, um, you might need to float through the breakout rooms uh, depending on their age, uh, but I think breakout rooms definitely for team building to bring them together give them a prompt and allow them to work on it and then again you can check on them and then you can bring them back into the main room um, another feature uh, that i uh, recommend is to make sure that you're always engaging the student right so you know we talk a lot about uh, best practices of teaching online and it's not always about just using the technology but there's pedagogical differences from teaching face-to-face -to, -face to online. So again, that's why I wanna see my students. Um, I use the raise hand feature, so I don't let the students just blurt out, but if they raise their hand, I, I make sure that I call on them. Uh, another thing that I've, I've kind of presented in another webinar, but I call it embrace the pause. Now what that means is, uh, typically a lot of teachers are used to just talking and teaching, 
right? But in, in an online environment, I think people can somewhat get disconnected from that. So what I would recommend is as you're teaching and you've just finished a point, pause for a second and ask for understanding, ask if there's any questions, because then you'll get your class used to saying, uh, yes, uh, Mr. Jerry, I have a question, and then they'll ask along the way, and then the engagement increases. So I hope that answers your question, sir. Brilliant. Great stuff. I have just a question in here from Elaine. Would IMS do a webinar specifically on creating a webinar? Good question. And I think uh, a lot of people have been asking us in recent weeks, would we actually show them how to set up an online graduation, do an online event for their schools in particular, uh, as is coming to the end of the year? Um, just to show the power of the webinar, we're just going to run a poll here to see how many of you would like to take part in a practical workshop on how to set up a webinar or an online event. So let's run that poll there. This is the power of Zoom live information gathering. Um, while that poll is running, uh, there's, some, there's a few raised hands there. Uh, Stephen, uh, do you want to, uh, Shane, do you want to bring Stephen up there while that poll is running? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think is it, uh, I think he should be online there. Uh, Septa Stevens, is that right? Or, oh no, Septa, that's Septa. Oh, sorry, yeah. Septa, no. apologies. Septa, I, I, my, my mistake. I'm gonna actually bring up uh, Stephen as well uh, for both of you. Hi Stephen, hi Septa. You're, you're live on stage maybe. Uh, we might take Septa first actually. Okay, uh, no problem. Can you hear me okay? Yes, absolutely. Good, crystal good. clear, crystal clear. Um, my question is really the breakout rooms. Um, I've just started uh, using Zoom now in the past few weeks. I'm primary school principal, small two teacher school, and I'm just the one teacher in the school using it. I use it every day. The kids love it. We use the raise hand. We use the polls. They love the polls. But my question is really the breakout rooms. I've used it a couple of times, but is there a facility to actually see both rooms at the same time? you know because you kind of have a group of children out there you don't know what they're doing or the giggling or the messing or whatever is there anything where you could actually just even view them and know that they're working or they're doing what they're supposed to be doing it's a very good question septa and one that's been asked before on our education webinars um unfortunately there is no way of viewing all the breakout rooms at the one time um, mm -hmm. zoom have made it very like breakout rooms is probably one of the best features of Zoom in, in terms of online teaching. Uh, but it, they've made it very easy to move between the breakout rooms mm -hmm. and set up the breakout rooms. But as of yet, mm -hmm. they haven't, uh, they don't have a facility to view all. If you were lucky enough to have a teaching assistant or, or a responsible pupil, oh, yes. uh, you could make them uh, co-host and they could uh, mm -hmm. be in one of the other, the other rooms. But it's a great question. And to be honest, it's one that we've asked Zoom. And uh, good, good. <laughs> Zoom are very fast to, uh, one thing we, I should say about Zoom is they're very fast to adapt to what's, been, yeah. what's needed. And many of you have, uh, I can see from the attendee list, many of you have attended some of our education webinars to date, and you can see how fast they moved, particularly in, in terms of security and how they made uh, the classroom so secure and so easy to use. Um, so, when we, we generally, when we ask them a question, they, they respond. Mm -hmm. I, hope, I hope that's mm -hmm. answered your question, Septa. Okay. We, might take, we might take Stephen as well. Thank, thank you, Septa. Um, Stephen, you want to- Hi, folks. Hi. Uh, just first of all, congratulations on incredible content uh, on all of your webinars so far. 
uh, I put up my hand during the during Jason's uh, talk. It was something that that occurred to me that is well worth noting. That I see a lot of people uh, on webinars is to eye the camera as much as you can. Uh, it gives the 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 person at the end, other end, the viewer a much better um, connection with you with your content. And um, <clears throat> as I say, I I've, I've run uh, with very little uh, training. We've we've run successfully uh, end of year um, ceremonies. Uh, I, I suppose is the, is the word you'd use um, over the last week. I've been very busy, and see also the the reaction coming back from the parents, from the students. And I also see, unfortunately, my own students, no offense to their school, but they didn't have anything and they, they really missed out. So well done on the work you're doing and, and thanks very much. No, that's really, really good advice there. Thank you, Stephen. I, I, I completely agree. And I'm, I'm actually sometimes, you know, because you've got so many screens and you're watching so many things, it's really hard to kind of, you know, keep looking into that camera and, and have, and you're relying on that, that helpers and the, the team and, and engaging with everything. So no, absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a good skill. You, you do identify with the audience when you, when you look straight in the camera. And uh, so, yeah, great, great tip, you know, um, no, it's it's. Um, I, I guess we're we're just coming up to four o'clock. Uh, so our sixteen hundred hours uh, uh, UK time. So we have a few um, more questions, Shane. Will we just we, well run look, on for the, another few minutes? As I say, Jason said we have got to start and end on time. So look, I'm I'm absolutely happy. It's fantastic to see so many people in the audience, and the Q and A's are flying. So absolutely, if everybody's okay, we can. Uh, but as I say, feel free, guys. If you need to bail, you're you're on. I'm just conscious of everybody's time. The, the one thing I wanted to too point out, Shane, because uh, I do believe in the whole pay it forward approach. So if any of you do need to leave and, and don't want to stay for the questions, uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to answer any questions that weren't answered. Even if you need to have a Zoom call with me and just kind of go over questions, I always believe in paying it forward. Yeah, I, I just see there's a, no, that's fantastic. I mean, Jason, you, you've, uh, uh, you've, you've got some great, uh, great posts and congratulations, by the way, on your, your son's graduation. We saw that one during the, during the week, uh, you know, and it's so, it's, it's, a, it's a pity and it's so sad, but yet it's, at least Zoom is here to do this, um, that, you know, there's a whole generation that are going through online grad. I did one yesterday with a, with a school, um, you know, and it was it was emotional, you know, it was emotional. I wasn't, I'm not part of the school. I just said I'd help him out, and um, you know, it, it was difficult, but they they uh, it was a great event, um, and uh, you know, they had the whole recap of the year, and and so I did it all on a webinar. Um, so you know, again, that was that was at least that's there. It's the only thing. What would we what would we do in this situation if we didn't have it? And that's, I suppose, is, uh, is, worth, is worth to think in the back of the mind. Um, Guys, just at, just at this point, I would like to point out that we have set up a, a website, uh, particularly aimed at the education market, really, but, but anyone else that wants to go, it's called ieducate.ie. And you can go there and there's lots and lots of resources and videos and links to the guys and links to their content. So ieducate.ie. Also, um, for those principals and teachers in the, in the audience, don't forget tomorrow is the last day for entry into our competition to win an amazing video conferencing Zoom, mobile Zoom room uh, D10 screen. 
So uh, get your best case, uh, use case of uh, Zoom in by video before close of business tomorrow to be with a chance to win that great prize. Thanks to D10. Yeah, um, I guess, you know, there's some there's some questions as well coming in um, just in regard to like recording um, um, webinars, you know, it's, it's, we're in a time when, you know, it's, it's view on demand. Um, it is a great feature to, to have that. Do, Zoom also have a fantastic feature within the, 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 the recording function where it will do transcription. So when you're doing a webinar, the entire meeting is not just recorded into separate files or in, in, in uh, you, you get a range of files. It's doing multiple recordings. Uh, so for example, you get the audio content on its own. And that's great for if you've got a podcast channel or you want to release that audio track only, you can have the gallery view or the individual view. But the magic part is they've got Transcript, which is run by a company called Otter AI. And it is incredible. You can effectively have the entire uh, event uh, typed out. Uh, in while you're asleep, it, it just works in the background, and you have the the transcript. And uh, again, the, the the comprehension goes up, not goes is grows as people can observe the 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 the, the text and hear the video, um, and and watch the video at the same time. So, I mean, do you guys, Jason, do you use uh, transcript services as part of your your setup? Are you are you finding what's your what do you think? We use it a lot, actually, and we have a couple of different use cases. So for one example, and we'll use this today, we have a faculty meeting uh, this afternoon. So we'll record it transcribes, but then we, prior to using Zoom, we would have someone constantly taking minutes during the meeting. Now what they do is they actually listen to the meeting, they get the transcript after the fact, and that transcript shows you who each speaker was, and they can go through and format that into like a Word document and send that out to the committee or the group. Another reason from an educational perspective is uh, for your students, they can actually search the video. So we had a student the other day studying for finals and they said, you know, is there a way to look through every time the word diuretic was set, right? So yes, there is, and it highlights the word. And when you click on the word, it takes you to that point in the video so no matter K through 12 or higher education, if your students need to find content quickly and not watch the whole video, you can use that as well. Right, right, exactly. Maybe. I mean, a lot of questions in about hosting, uh, hosting an event, the, the end of school year approaching. Guys, we'll be in touch. We'll be in touch with a practical workshop on, on, uh, on how to host an event. We're, we're doing them uh, all week uh, for the last couple of weeks for the post-primary and the, and the primary. So we'll be in touch with details on that. So keep an eye on ed ieducate.ie. Um, there's an interesting one in here. Anya, I'm a former primary school principal uh, and you're looking to see if the DES plans to coordinate how teachers and schools are to use technology and uh, to stipulate which systems are to be used. My advice on it would be to contact your local education center, the ESCI network. We're, we're working uh, directly with the 21 education centers around the country to facilitate CPD for principals, teachers and SNAs. So contact your local education center or just reach out to me or Shane. Uh, privately as well and we look after we look after that um eric i mean have you uh, much knowledge around the south african uh, situation on, on on schools there are you guys seeing um i mean are, are what's happening i presume it's like the rest of the world the, the schools are all shut down or are what, what are you seeing there um 
I think um, it's, a, it's a bit of a difficult answer because I think what happened is, I think a lot of people when lockdown happened, uh, people were under the impression they can kind of wait it out because it was going to be like a month or something. Uh, and it was not the case. And it kind of did catch a little bit uh, some of the education people um, unexpected and some of them are uh, scrambling to get a solution in place. Um, obviously, the, the, the dynamics is a little bit different here in Africa in regards to, uh, you know, government institutions. So, um, but yes, there is, uh, if I can mention from the private sector schools and education boards, um, Zoom and Teams is the two platforms of choice. And uh, I look at my, my own kids with me, yeah, um, how, you know, the ones on Zoom and the ones on Teams and, um, you know, just, it's just amazing. They did make it smaller though, if I can mention one thing. Uh, if the class were, let's say, 25, 30 students, they've kind of narrowed it down to engagement to about six six individuals at a time, but with, yeah. but with multiple sessions, just, you know, just to grab that, to hold that audience, you know, their yeah. focus, basically, as well. I guess, you know, things have changed so much that we're, we're you know, um, uh, like, uh, you know, I, how the classroom of the future is look, looks like and, you know, I think it's it's uh, you know it's an, it's a it's a testament to the teachers in in that are able to you know are are dealing with this issue right now and you know as I say we're here with the tools and you know I know there's there's more to it than that and and getting you know overcoming the challenges um, but I, I guess you know one of the things that comes out of this lockdown is is a situation that that education may have changed you know in a way um, a lot more people are 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 um, you know, using it particularly in, in I, I guess, in Jason, in 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 FAMU, uh, like, you know, what if there is a, a multi-campus situation and you've got students that are going to class in one campus but are too far away from, you know, the other campus and there is a a, a tutor is moving between different rotating through the different classes. I mean, video conferencing has a role in these hybrid type of situations. Yeah, so the one thing that we have done for the last nine years in the College of Pharmacy is we've actually taught in that scenario. So for example, the professor's in Tallahassee, but this, and you have about 150 students in that class, and then you have another 50 students in Crestview, which is two and a half hours away. So we have leveraged this technology for quite some time. Uh, and now, like I said before, we're actually setting up Zoom classrooms to do that. So the advantage is today we're really talking about Zoom webinar, but there's a whole another conversation with Zoom rooms, right? And then to Leo's point, this D10, D7 that you guys are giving away as part of this innovative uh, educator idea, I think it's great. But that technology, the touch technology, where you can annotate on a whiteboard, I like to teach on that even more so than from my own laptop, right? So, uh, and I have three of them in my office behind me, but I use that all the time. So uh, yes, you can definitely handle uh, and remove that transactional distance using Zoom. No, absolutely. Um, I guess now, that's- I'm conscious here, we're coming up to the 10 past now. We got 10 extra minutes from everyone. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much guys for staying on. Uh, Shane, do you want to wrap up? 
Well, I, I just said, really, thank you so much. Don't forget, guys, there is a feedback form. We love to hear from you. We're going to take a lot of these questions and put them onto the iEducate website on the Q&A and try and answer as many of those as we can on the, on the frequently asked questions section. So do check out that afterwards. But we also have the, the, the feedback form, which will pop up as you, you leave the meeting or as the meeting is over. And, uh, you know, that, that again, is, is fantastic for us to, for, to get that. And what we might do this time is you know uh, we we'll 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 try and pick something maybe random and look at uh, at uh, you know looking after somebody if you if you guys maybe we've, uh, we can find a, a prize or something like that we really do appreciate that it it is given us a uh, recalibrated our webinars on an ongoing basis um, and that's that is very important we're just going to continue to drive uh, to improve them. Um, other than that, I, I, I think it's I'm I'm good. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I wanted to thank you, thank uh, you know, thank, thank the panel and uh, Leo and and all the crew behind that are doing the uh, answering those questions. I'm sure they're going to need some downtime after this because it's intense. To the, the, we've we've uh, I think we've over 120 120 questions that have come in. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's great. Jason, over to you. Do you want to say anything? Yeah, I just want to thank everyone for attending. I think it's important to constantly educate these different features. And, and I get that there's there's tons of questions, right? So again, I do welcome you to uh, in the post survey to make sure that any future ideas that you want to see, uh, Shane and Leo and his team are great on content. So uh, there'll be future webinars from that. If there's any questions specific to me that I didn't get a chance to ask for you, again, reach out to me on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn, and I'd be happy to talk with you or even meet with you over Zoom. Eric, uh, what's, uh, what's, what do you want to say? Um, first thing I want to say to everybody that finishes the session, please go update your software. There's a new security version out that was released yesterday. So uh, I'm Such trying to say that. Such a geek. <laughs> You're right. Trying to no, say that to everybody every day. So absolutely. But thank you very much. It was great. It was really a, a very informative session. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you very much. And everybody has taken the time to, to sit through this and to see this because, you know, it just shows that there's, uh, a lot of people out there wanting to, you know, put good content out there and, and really up their game as well. And, and these are the kind of platforms that's going to allow for that. So we really thank everybody and, right. and thank Shane and, and the initiative of IMS as well. Yeah. And, and, and my co-panelists as well. Great job. Okay. Great. And also Dennis and Earl there in the background and, and the rest of the crew. So it's from us. Uh, thank you so much for joining, guys. Uh, sorry you've gone over a little bit in the minutes, but uh, it's uh, great to see everybody or to, to, uh, to do this. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Um, so look out for the next uh, IMS webinar and we really appreciate your attending. Bye for me.